Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in Cars going to festivals. Vision is one of those weird things where you have a real feeling that something is real and true. And you work your way through it and you come to an understanding that you think is correct about what's right and what's going to happen. And then sometimes that thing doesn't happen. And it's hard to put yourself in a position to accept that things haven't happened the way that you expected them to. And it's also hard to tell if the feelings that you had were real and true. And so what we wanted to talk about is really how do you discern the difference between a vision and a dream, if there is a difference, and... (coughs) how to maintain confidence and relationships and things like that when visions that you felt were within yourself deeply true and like they had a strong expectation of becoming real don't and it's a hard topic yeah because it treads into faith But it's also one that I think that we should have honest discussions about. Because as magical people, we have a lot of experience with the notion that dreams are important. Mm -hmm. That they tell us things about the future. This is an ancient notion. But we also recognize from the science side that sometimes it's just things firing off in our heads. Right. It doesn't actually mean anything. But they can still feel very real. I don't know, I guess maybe part of it for me is that I don't do, like, dream incubation, dream vision work. I I start from a conscious place, and by conscious I mean not asleep. Like, I start from a um, place where I I then intentionally put myself into trance and from there get visions. But I don't typically, I mean, I don't remember dreams, really. Yeah. Um, Which I know is a practice that you can do, and you'll get better at remembering them, but... um, I don't typically do that. Most of what I do is intentional trance work to get the same kind of information. Yeah. Do you have instances where things that you felt absolutely certain about didn't pan out the way that you expected based on that vision? Yes, but a lot of times my... Because I see things in, like, broad symbols... Um, and I see pictures and images and stuff, and that doesn't... For me, I assume that I misinterpreted the symbol. 
I can see that. Um, That's often how I view it as well. Yeah, so it's not so much... Like, I may have a feeling, and it might be, like, a really strong feeling about what's going to happen, and I'm pretty sure. But then when it doesn't, I, I either assume that it hasn't happened yet, like it's a longer view yeah. vision, or I assume that I misinterpreted the symbol... Then I go back and I think on it and I read whatever I'd written about it initially and see if, like, something else makes sense. Yeah. When it comes to, to vision and timing, they are complicated, to say the least. Yes. <laughs> because the vision world doesn't work anything like our world. And so we might think that we have a very clear signal that this is going to happen before Christmas. Yeah. Let's pick a random secular yeah, yeah. date. Um, but just because we have that feeling doesn't mean that we know which Christmas it'll be. Um, or that our our human notion of time matches that cyclical cosmic notion of time. Right, right. I guess I don't get a lot that are like time-based visions. Um and I don't, I mean, part of that is that I'm not doing intense work on, like, I'm trying to find a certain thing, right. or I'm trying to do a certain thing. So they're, they're, if I do get time-based things, they're not as personal to me. <laughs> Mostly they're senses of doom and gloom, which then I have to weigh against, like, depression, right? Or the news cycle. Or the news cycle, <laughs> which I try to keep up with, but not super strongly, because yes. I can't. Um... But yeah, so like I have to like as someone who has mental illness, I have to be very aware of um like weighing my visions against intrusive thoughts and like being able to tell the difference between them. Um and that that in and of itself is a is a practice. We've just been passed by a tiny house on wheels being dragged behind a pickup truck. It looks like a fairy house. It totally does. <laughs> um like a caravan house, really. Yeah. It's kind of pretty. He's got a purple door. It's very nice. A couple windows. Anyway, um, one of the things that I've often thought about vision and prophecy in general is that the only way to tell if a vision or a prophecy is a true thing is whether it happens. <laughs> well, yes. You can only look at it after the fact to see and say, oh, yeah. That was totally a prophecy. <laughs> that's the definition of prophecy, is it is a thing that comes to pass. I feel like, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it sounds like that, but until you think about it in that way, you don't really realize it. And that is why the predictions of the Oracle of Delphi are 100% true, is because they all happen. Right. And if one does not come to pass, then... <laughs> then it was not a prophecy. It, it wasn't a prophecy. <laughs> um, but also, the the process of interpreting those visions, sometimes it only becomes clear after the fact. So, the wooden wall alone will save you, for example, is not the wooden wall around the Acropolis in Athens. It is the wall of ships at Salamis. Right. And the more that you read into the weirdness of the Oracle's statements at Delphi the more you can see that retroactive reinterpretation and that retroactive understanding. Well, and that's when I talk about, like, symbols, yeah. right? So when I see symbols in in vision, the wooden wall, like, it, it, you have to have the multiple interpretations of that. 
as you're thinking about it. And so what you are sure is one thing may be something completely different and you just interpreted the symbol wrong. Right. So that doesn't mean that your vision was incorrect. It means that your interpretation was off. Which means you have to return to the interpretation and rethink it. Right. You have to rework through it. And that is not to say, because it sounds like this, when you say it in this way where, for example, they thought the wooden wall was one thing, but it turned out it was another and it happened to be ships made out of wood. Um, if you're curious, this is the the prediction around the Persian invasion of ancient Greece is probably the most famous of the oracles, statements, pronunciations. It's not about finding a thing that fits, it's understanding what fits. Right. And so you're, you're not going through and trying to say, well, if it wasn't that, it must be something right. else. You're not I'm trying to fit. hammer it into place. Yeah, you're not fitting a puzzle piece in where it doesn't fit, you're finding the right puzzle piece to right. put in. And, and that's really what you have to do with vision that is true but doesn't feel like it's true. Of course, you don't know if it's true or not until you find the puzzle piece. Right. You, you, you don't know if that puzzle piece is even in the box until you find it, <laughs> frankly. And Your children might have spilt it on the floor and it may be under the couch. It may very well be. <laughs> it likely is if you have children. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's not there and that you can't find it. Right. You look which comes down, which brings up another point of if you're doing vision work of that sort, write it down. Because Always. you'll probably, like, even if it does turn out to be true, you may want to remember what symbols you saw that related to the thing so that they may carry over to later visions. Um, and if you have to revisit it to reinterpret it, then you have written down exactly what you saw or if you're lucky enough to be able to paint or draw you have some record of what you saw it's one of the reasons that I always tell people when I do a reading for them to take a picture of the reading because being able to return to the actual symbols that were read at the time and the interpretation if they've written I tell them to take notes too but having both symbols and interpretation then gives them the opportunity to say, oh, well, that's what I thought it meant at the time. That's what the interpretation was. But what I really see here is, you know, after all of these things have happened, this is actually, this this makes more sense based on symbols, based on interpretation, based on life experience. Right. And we get a better understanding. So when you think about, when you get, particularly when you get something really specific from a reader, or you read something really specific yourself, mm -hmm. before you say, it didn't pan out, or it didn't happen the way that I expected it to happen, you need to be able to go back to those symbols, possibly even back to the reader, and say, hey look, I have new, new information, the, the way that we looked at it the first time didn't work, we need to, to revisit things in light of new information. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like reading a book, returning to an old book uh, that you've done in the past to understand. Now, Again, sometimes they're not actually things that right. are going to come to pass, um, and sometimes they are just misinterpreted. Yeah. I will say that you talking about books, that having a grounding in, like, literary analysis is great for vision work, because you're going to see symbols, and you're going to um, have, have stories that are in your head, kind of, that you're going to have to interpret. And that's, it's the same skill set that you can use from literary analysis. 
Um, so if you have a chance to kind of study that a little bit, that can help you better interpret um, vision work, I would say. Another fun lesson from literary analysis is talking to teachers about, like high school teachers or whatever, about what uh, a reading that's assigned, what meaning it has inside it, and then talking to the author yep. about what that meaning was, because they're like, no, the curtains were red because they were red in my mind's eye. They weren't red because of some, you know, <laughs> allusion to death. Or the wallpaper like was just yellow, okay? <laughs> Sometimes the symbols don't mean anything. And and we see symbols where they're not supposed to be. And that that's part of the reason, too, that when people go hiking in the woods and they see a deer, deer live in the woods. Right. But if you are actively looking for symbols and a deer appears... Then you have set aside that time for that to be your symbol-seeking. Yes. And the deer means something. Yes. And and that's one of the big things that that I like to... At least for my own work, I, I like to think about is... Oh, cool, I saw a bear or a moose or whatever it was while I was out walking... I hope you don't see a moose while you're out walking. It's been a very long time, and I was very far away, and I was still scared. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a very clear vision in my mind of seeing that moose. You'll anyway. note that I'm way more worried about that moose than that bear. <laughs> Any day. Right. Any day, right? I am more worried about the bear than the moose. Or the moose, moose than, than the bear? bear. Yeah. Yes. Now the squirrel. Moose and squirrel. <laughs> but um, just because I saw a moose out in a pond doesn't mean that it had meaning for me. It was just a moose out there eating um, or swimming or doing something. I don't know. It was huge. (laughs) If I had been in a frame of mind to be saying, oh, I need to be looking for signs, I need to be looking for symbols, I need to be finding something um, that has meaning for me, then had I seen that moose or that bear or whatever it was, it would be a completely different experience. Yeah. And I think that is a really important thing to remember is that the more that you put into this and and the more you wall things off and intentionally seek symbols, the more likely they are to actually be symbols. Right. I think that's an important point, that if you do it with, with an intention going into it, that's better than just having a vision appear to you because then you're less sure, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if that moose was a moose or if that moose was a terrifying vision. Yeah, I mean, either way is a terrifying vision. <laughs> Just to be clear. Are you talking about moose because we're in New England? No, I'm talking about moose because I saw a moose when I was out once. <laughs> and it was terrifying. And it left an indelible impression on me. I am far more scared of moose than anything else out in the out in the natural world, I think. <laughs> and for good reason. Right? <laughs> well, I'm not arguing with you on the reason. <laughs> Bear told me. It's a good moose aside, though. It is a good moose aside. And the pictures of the people, or the video, of the guy walking along the road, and the moose comes out of the woods, and he, like, hops the guardrail, and, like, Sidles away. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, moose are terrifying. They're large. <laughs> yes. Even seeing them at the zoo, you don't realize how big they are. Mm-hmm. No. They are far more than any human should ever have to witness. 
You picked the wrong lane. I did. Something going on here. Either someone doesn't have cash or change or something. Now they're going. Yeah. You're still closer than you were. <coughs> Thank you. <laughs> Your moose impression is impressive. <laughs> I do sing the moose song on a pretty regular basis. You do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I derailed your train of thought. <laughs> the moose is laid down upon the track. Because <laughs> moose are ginormous compared to cows. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, when you uh, go to work with a reader, they will give you a specific notion of what they expect to happen based on the signs and the symbols. Yeah. And a good reader will not be as, will not be more specific than they are able to confidently be based on the symbol set that they've got. Right. A bad reader, or a person who's not reading cards but is reading people for money, which happens, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate thing that people do. And some people really like that. I personally don't. Uh, but if someone is, is reading the people and telling them what they want to hear, instead of actually reading their cards, then you're going to get something that is not a useful reading, mm-hmm. I tend to think. And it's not, it's not actually a vision of, of what's going on in your life. It's a vision of what they think might be going on in your life with the aid of the cards. It's actually interesting. I've found more often for me when I have gotten readings from other people that the people I would consider much more experienced readers who I trust a lot more are not quite as specific in their advice. And I think that's because they, they know exactly how specific they're comfortable being. Um, and they're more often to say, to phrase things as questions like this is what I am seeing um, that may be the case or it may be X, Y, or Z um, and, and making it a conversation with you about like, see, like they want more information from you about what is like where do you see this going and then they can read further like they can pull more cards or draw more symbols um, and I found those to be much more useful readings and much more true readings when I have gone to others to seek that kind of information. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know that when I do readings, there, there are always options about which directions you can go. Yeah. And you can get more specific, you can get less specific. You can read, uh, you know, Kienaz as torture ulcer. You can read Hagalaz as hail or the ice that melts into the the, the, the waters that flow over the lake. Yeah. There's, there's lots of different ways to read all of these. Well, and they're all context when you're doing the reading, too. Yep. Everything in the reading is going to give you more of an idea of where things are going. But a good reader will, after time has passed, and if something isn't quite right or quite up to stuff, you can go back to them. Yeah. And say, hey, this is what happened in the last reading. Can you help me go through the reading again based on what we've done and they're 
even with legitimate reader, there may be a charge for that because yeah. it's still time and it's still effort. It's still a reading. Yeah, um, you're getting a clarifying reading at exactly. that point. So, um, and they may hold more cards, so they may read the same symbol set before with new information from you. Mm-hmm. Either one of those is fine, but just keep in mind that there are a lot of different ways to look at things, and the more information that you have, the more context you can put to the divination. Right. Like, when I do readings for people, I give them the option, I'm like, you can tell me your question, um, or you can have me read blind, and either one I'm fine with, but you're likely to get more specific answers if you tell me the question. Otherwise, I'm going to be talking to you in symbolism. Because yeah. that is what I am literally seeing. Yeah. And if I don't have the context to put that symbolism to it, then it's it's just going to be the symbols. So Yeah, I'm mostly fine reading for people without that context. But at the end of the reading, I will say, if you're comfortable, if you want to tell me your question, you know, I'm happy to, to look at these in light of that as well. And a lot of times people are just trying to figure out if you're legit, yeah. and they don't want to tell you the question, which is fine, too, because there's plenty of reasons to want to find that out. Yeah. But the, the process of putting the additional information into the into the system yeah. <laughs> helps a lot. Yeah, which is why, like, I'm fine reading blind for people. Like, that doesn't bother me, but they're going to get a much more symbolic answer yeah. than if I have context. Now, when you come to the place where everything seems like you've asked the right questions, you've gotten a good reading, everything seems like it's coming up roses on, you know, having all the context, all the question, all the information, and stuff still doesn't come to pass, and you look back at your reading and you're like, no, no, that's actually what that should have said. Mm-hmm. At that point, I mean, what do you do? I mean, I don't know, I, and maybe this is part of the we're talking faith and like belief right so I I waffle back and forth on like fate versus free will um and it I I don't feel strongly either way and it's kind of like the I feel like there are um like major touchstones that are fated um and there are smaller decisions that are free will and can lead you like you you might have like a, a if your life is a tree, right? So you've got branchings and like those major faded experiences might be the the connections of the branches, but the way that you as you arrive at that faded experience, then you have a decision which leads you to the next faded experience and you've got little decisions along the way there. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> and so for me, if the vision doesn't come to pass and you were sure, um Part of, part of it is that perhaps you saw the, um, the faded experience, but you chose a different turning earlier on, and so it lives on a different branch that you didn't actually come to because you made a decision earlier. I can see that. Um, the, the way that I look at divination is that it's, it's all about possible outcomes or probable outcomes is right. probably the best way to put it. So, at the end of a reading, what you end up with is, if you take all the advice, you do all the things, if you, if you continue on this path, then you're going to have this experience. Right, and I think that's the key phrase there, and I use that a lot when I do readings, is if you continue on this path and 
things continue unfolding without any other major decisions shifting that path. Or you make the decisions suggested in the reading. Right. Then this is the way that it will go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because the way that divination works is that it's not really about the future, I don't think. No, it's more about the past than the future. Far more about the past, because the past is set. The past doesn't change. (laughs) At the present, you have opportunities to take different paths. Right. And if you take the path suggested, if you follow the, the signposts along the way, they'll get you where you're expected to go. And it's hard to follow everything all the time. You might even say it's somewhat impossible to, to do it exactly right, exactly the way cards say, or the simple set says. Um, but you can go reasonably far down that path and you can make those things more likely, but you have to concentrate on them, you have to work toward them, you have to make sure that they go, and even then, it's not guaranteed. Right, well, and if we come back to this idea of, like, fate, if I'm talking my beliefs again, like, I'm an optimist, generally. Me too. And so I feel that um, things will turn up well in the end, and if they're not well, it's not the end. Right. So if you're looking at like visions that you see for the future um, and you have like one specific instance that you're sure is going to come true and if that doesn't happen it may be that there's something better on the path that you did choose to take. Yes. Um, it's kind of where I fall on that line of like fate and belief and how that relates to visions and divination. And I would say too that the other thing to remember is that you are not the only actor with free will in the world. Yes. <laughs> and so there are things that other people can do that can change trajectories and that can influence your path. Um, and, and that's something that I try real hard to remember when I'm thinking about my own vision work is that I can do everything perfectly right. But if my next door neighbor does something really dumb... <laughs> Well, even if you think of it in the sense of we are all magicians in the world and we are all trying to enforce our will on our reality. Yep. And so if each person is doing that, you may not be paying attention to something somewhere else that shifts. And it's not it's not even that it was like done against you or anything. It's just someone else shifted something off your radar and that eventually rippled out to affect you. Yeah. It's like someone does weather magic. That rain's going to fall somewhere. It may just not fall on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless you're shooting silver nitrate into the air. Yeah, well. <laughs> the, the consequences still happen. They just happen in a different place. Right. And there's a lot of ethics and responsibility that I'm sure we can talk about. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> but the, the idea that I am the only actor in the world. I am the only person piloting my own ship. I am the only person that the the cosmos is looking closely at. Other people can rock your boat. <laughs> yes, they can. And there's so many different ways to take that. I didn't mean them that way. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, sometimes someone else is going to rock your boat. <laughs> and you got to choose whether to get on board or to get off. Don't get your feet wet when you do. Because there might be a moose in the water. There might be a moose in the water. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. 
We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.